Hello and welcome to Wham Bam Tram's Summer Podcast Episode 2. Today we're talking road safety. There's tragically thousands of deaths and injuries on our roads. Pedestrians only make up 10% of all injuries, including minor injuries, but almost a third of deaths and very serious life-changing injuries. Our guest today, Julian Kwong, is an expert who advises the UN and the World Health Organization on road safety. He's been a long-time campaigner in Hong Kong calling for lower speed limits, better road design, which could cut that death toll down. So let's welcome Julian to the studio. Julian, welcome to the studio. Yeah, nice meeting you, James. Okay, so we've got a lot to talk about. Uh, most recently, you were working on a, you are working on a campaign to bring a 30 kilometer per hour speed limit to Hong Kong. So perhaps you can tell us about that. We have been uh, advocating this concept for Hong Kong since exactly 10 years. Well, I think in Hong Kong, we always have problems uh, in urban road safety. I mean, especially for pedestrians, but also, of course, cyclists and also uh, collisions between uh, vehicles. In Hong Kong, the default speed limit is 50 kilometers per hour. And we are a compact city. I mean, this order of speed is certainly excessive in many situations. There is a need to review the speed limit, and actually it's not a new concept. But in other parts of the world, the movement uh, or the policy of having lower speed limit has much accelerated in other countries. Yeah, but so what, what are the sort of, uh, what are some of the leading countries around the world on this? Yeah, it started actually in the Netherlands or back in the early in 1980s. But nowadays, the leading countries would be those in Europe, uh, the United Kingdom, in Scandinavian countries, in France, actually virtually all the countries. Mm. Uh, but nowadays also we see the system introduced into Australia, into even into North America, where traditionally, I mean, car traffic is more important. Yeah. So, I mean, it's more, it's more than just lowering the speed limit number, isn't it? What, what, what exactly is involved in, in slowing cars down? Yeah, I think the main significance is that we tell drivers uh, exactly what they should behave in for urban driving. I think the number is, of course, is something important, but what we are talking about is also symbolic. I mean, we, it means that drivers need to behave prudently and knowing that they are not the only one on the streets. And, but of course, uh, the 30 kilometers per hour Speed is also uh, strongly based in science. We have a lot of studies uh, already uh, pointing to the dramatic increase of, uh, of the severity of uh, pedestrian injuries once the collision speeds exceeds 30 kilometers per hour. And up to 50 kilometers per hour, then the risk of fatalities, especially among elderly, is already more than 50%. Really? So if, uh, if a car is traveling at 30 kph, there's a much lower chance of a, of a fatal crash? Uh, yes, both in terms of the likelihood uh, of a crash happening. Mm. And also if the crash does happen, then the uh, severity of injury is much reduced. Okay. And of course, we do have a problem with elderly pedestrians uh, being run down and killed. Uh, it seems very common in, in Hong Kong almost every week. There's a, a new headline on this. Mm. Do, do you think it's a, a problem that's growing? 
I think overall the situation has been improving, but now we are more or less at, at the point of, of stagnation. Uh, the situation we can't tell because we are having an aging society, but uh, I would say that every life is important. Uh, we also want to encourage uh, the elderly to to go out from their home to use public to use public transport, for example. Well, it's a it's, it's, it is a policy, but if we cannot guarantee that the streets are really safe for them to go out and to walk on their own, then I think we have a big problem. Mm. How fast is 30 kilometers per hour? It seems like it's faster than the average traffic anyway. Uh, Yes, I think the feeling of speed is another issue. I mean, if a driver is uh, caught in a traffic jam, if I offer him or her to be able to travel at 30 kilometers per hour already. That, that is yeah. a lot. Yeah. But of course, traveling on a highway, I work on expressway motorways of 120 kilometers per hour design speed. Mm. Well, of course, on a higher hierarchy roads, that would be too slow. So, but for urban areas, it is more or less the right speed. But of course, for the more major street, I would say that 40 kilometers per hour would be a comfortable uh, cruising speed. Mm. Uh, 30 kilometers per hour, it is mainly a psychological problem for some of the drivers and because they can easily accelerate. Yeah. So they think it is too slow. Yeah, and the cars today are actually very fast and you can just (laughs) blip the accelerator and you're off to 70 miles an hour before you know it. Easily. Yeah. I, I remember driving in the UK, uh, the, the speed limit is 60 on the on the sort of country roads. And when you hit a village, it comes down to 30. Mm. And so if you slow down to 30, immediately the cars behind you will start beep, 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 because <laughs> it feels very slow. But it's actually a, still quite a fast speed for a village. Yes, of course. And another issue is that I think if we tell drivers that this is the right speed and this is the law, then when everyone behaves like this, then uh, you will not be tailgated by the drivers behind. Mm. But at the moment, because the rule is that, well, 50 is known to all drivers. So if you drive a bit slower, if you drive prudently, then another drivers may think that, well, you are going too slow and I have the right to, to push you <laughs> onto yeah. the side. Yeah. And I think overall, we need to, I think, to be bold in having implementing the scheme on a much larger scale uh, to see an effect. Uh, I think too much discussions doesn't help. Yeah, too much talk. (laughs) Too much talk. Yeah. Where did our 50 kph uh, limit come from in the first place? Well, there are many stories. Uh, One, well, some story is about, I think, from uh, in the United Kingdom that they have some discussion, I think, probably before the war, but then Nobody, I think, can tell exactly how it came along. Maybe it is a figure, it's a convenient figure. In the United Kingdom, it's 30 miles per mm. hour. In some other countries, it's 50. So, but I think the, there's another uh, issue we are looking at, I mean, in terms of technically. Uh, we have always been thinking of using the term 85 percentile speed. That is the speed at which the majority of drivers uh, will keep uh, within. But then nowadays, the trend is to use the average speed to set speed limit. I think that is an important uh, point, which I think in the profession, among the professional, we need to understand. Using the 85 percentile speed, which is the majority for the majority, you will never be able to 
reduce the speed to a, a safe level. I mean, nowadays, I think in some countries we are using the average speed. The average speed on the road would represent the speed uh, at which the majority of prudent drivers will be traveling at. And using that speed to set speed limit would be more the favorable to road safety. I think but this concept in Hong Kong, we have not really been discussing. Mm. So keep on using, saying, arguing about the 85% of speed and keep on arguing whether it is too difficult to enforce, then we are not going to get anywhere. Yeah, yeah. And 10 years talking about this, I mean, so many things in Hong Kong, like electronic road pricing as well, we've been talking about for 10, 20, <laughs> yeah. 30 years. Yeah. Why is it taking so long to talk and, and achieve? Uh, I think in Hong Kong, there are many reasons. I, I wouldn't say that any one particular party is responsible for that. In Hong Kong, I think we have the government, I mean, the, uh, the work department, the transport department, the bureaus, and uh, we have the professionals among engineers, planners, and also the transport industry, logistic in industries, and the general public, the drivers. And I think there needs to be consensus. But over the years, uh, I think in Hong Kong, people are practical. We always think about uh, efficiency. Mm. So we do not look at the uh, issues in, in, in depth often. Mm. We, many people think that, uh, well, if you ask me to drive slower, then I, it's difficult to make a life. I mean, I'm a lorry driver. I'm a car driver. It's impossible. It's just, it's just, it's just illogical. Mm. And we do not think harder what we are talking about. So it's difficult to generate a, what we call a, a fruitful discussion. So it has taken a long time. And in Hong Kong, we always look at what is happening abroad. When something is good, then we say that, okay, we, we, we should maybe follow the practices of other countries. But if we think that <laughs> that that doesn't apply to Hong Kong, then we have all kinds of reasons saying mm. that in Hong Kong, uh, it's not suitable, we are exceptional, etc. Yeah. So I'm convinced that we do need time. But I, I think that the more time we waste, the more people will get injured on the road. Yeah. And another problem is that we cannot advance with our road design. I mean, with 50 kilometers per hour speed, design speed, then you are bound to design roads which are car-oriented. Or oriented. Mm. So new roads <laughs> coming in are car-oriented, naturally, because they are meeting the 50K. Yes, even yeah. for some of the roads I have recently visited yeah. in uh, presumably uh, prestigious new development areas. Mm. We think that we have good streetscapes, good urban design. I mean, we have new urban design guidelines. Mm. But I'm not convinced mm. because these roads, although they have taken the railings away, I mean, they have not given adequate consideration into what we call traffic calming mm. and complementary measures to favor pedestrians. Yeah. And that is, to some extent, bounded by, I think, the rules associated with 50, 50 kilometers per hour design speed. Yeah, yeah. Where exactly are we talking about here? Uh, in the Kaitak area. Oh, Kaitak, right. In the Kaitak development areas. Yeah. Well, I have seen, for example, distributed road, district distributed roads with the alignment, well, just conventional alignment, smooth. Mm. I mean, that is bound to become a racing track. Yeah. And we have railings removed. Okay, that's fine. We have railing removed. We have planting strips, mm. etc. But we only have some of these crossings. I mean, no, no traffic lights. I mean, pedestrians take their own risk yeah. to cross. Yeah. 
without any widening of the, uh, the middle part, the mid-block area. Mm. And then we only have conventional warning signs for the drivers and some slow markings on the road. Yeah. Uh, I think that is not going to be the type of roads we are looking really looking for. If we really want to have attractive and a modern city for our next generation. Mm, very interesting. And so, well, the railings is a great point because uh, obviously last year or in, uh, there was uh, many of them were removed mm. both by uh, protesters and then by the government. Mm. And then there was a, quite a lot of debate about the railings. And I, I, as I understand, if you remove them, then perhaps it does make the road slower and safer in <laughs> theory. Is it, I mean, where, where are we with that discussion at the moment? I am yet to follow exactly the, the policy, but I understand that the general policy is to have railings removed unless they are necessary. Mm. Uh, I think the issue of railing is that it is, that is a Brit British tradition. Mm. Uh, in the U United Kingdom, they, traditionally they use a lot of railings. In Hong Kong, we have been following this. So railings could be useful in certain circumstances. But if we use them excessively, then we start to have a negative effects. One problem, of course, is you make the roads very unattractive for pedestrians. They mm. might have to detour uh, for a long way in order to cross. But at the same time, there have been some research as pointing out to the effect of railings. I mean, actually prompting drivers to go faster. Yeah. If you have continuous railing for a long distance, but you may have gaps in between railings. So at those gaps, whether they are formal pedestrian crossings uh, or not, if the vehicles are going too fast, then this could become uh, areas of uh, safety concern. Another problem is that uh, many times we have railings designed with the vertical bars, which becomes uh, actually a solid wall mm. from the viewpoint of the drivers. Mm. And this is Incorrect. Actually, the menu set says that you must use the the railings with high visibility. But in re, in real in reality, many of the installed railings they have not taken this into account. So you have a wall, and also sometimes you uh, actually prompt the drivers to go faster. But of course, in certain situations, uh, which we need to be careful, then maybe railings needs to be retained. Uh, yeah. That would be situations like you have uh, multi-lane roads yeah. and then you really do not want to have pedestrians crossing in between uh, formal crossings. So we need to uh, study actually in details, I mean, exactly when railings should not be placed yeah. and where they are absolutely necessary. If you've just jumped into this, I'm James Ockenden, editor of Transit Jam, talking to the UN's road safety advisor and local speed limit campaigner, Julian Kwong. I'm wondering about technology. It seems like we've got, uh, for example, when uh, new e-bikes and e-scooters are being introduced into some cities in the US, mm -hmm. they are geofenced and they're automatically speed limited by the, by the company. Why can't we do that with cars? I agree. For example, now buses, as far as I understand, they have this system uh, installed with uh, geofence. Mm. For cars, I think it is completely illogical. I think that is a tradition. We, we have cars, uh, say the speedometers, I mean, showing up to 200, 250. It doesn't make sense. I mean, for me as a road engineer, I know the limit of my road design. It's not possible. Mm. 
Actually, for the speedometers, it doesn't give drivers the sense of what, what speed they're driving at. I mean, that is the first defense. Nowadays, it is possible to have head-up display, mm. digital displays. I think that would be better. Mm. Normally, a driver will not look at the speedometer anyway. But uh, what you are talking about is the more automatic uh, mm. I mean, speed adaptation, yeah. which I think, yes. I think that is the way we are going to. And, and recently, with the Road Safety Week, there mm. have been a number of discussions. I think that is moving ahead. But I, what I heard from some of the experts is that uh, there have been resistance from some of the car manufacturers. Yeah. <laughs> so, but then this is an important issue. I think why should we allow cars which can go up to speeds which are not permitted in the law anyway mm. to, to, to be running the road? And drivers or young drivers thinking that it's fun to speed up and then in, in the end, I mean, they are severely injured or mm. even killed and no fault, nobody is responsible. The car manufacturers are not responsible. Nobody will take responsibility. Yeah. I think that doesn't make sense. And in fact, a lot of these newer cars, if you were to drive one of these SUVs, 30 kph on the speedo is barely nothing because, as you say, the speedo goes up to 250. So it looks like nothing. And yeah, the car so. is so protected, it feels like nothing. So there's no sense of speed in the cockpit at all. Yes, exactly. I mean, it's, it happened that a few days ago, I, I was just standing next to a bus driver, a double-decker bus, the speedometer up to 110. <laughs> what mm. does it mean? We mm. know that the highest speed permitted in Hong Kong is 70. Mm. And also the speedometer, as I said, the, the driver has to look down yeah. <laughs> in order to read it. Yeah. And actually, I proposed in the past the use of this digital display mm. at a position which drivers will normally see. Yeah. And so so we have a range 0 to 70, maybe a bit more, 0 to 75, for drivers to be able to see and to understand the speed they are adopting. Yeah. This is one measure, but the geofence, I, well, I think, has been helping a lot. Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you previously, when traveling on these buses in the Southern District, mm then we can have buses going, say, along the Tai Tam Tok Reservoir Dam. Mm. Well, I, said, I, said, I, I just stood by the side of the driver, 60 kilometers per hour. Mm. And we know that the parapet of the dam is not able to withstand speed mm. like this in case the bus loses control, mm. not even 50. Mm. So some drivers are traveling at 60. But nowadays with the geofans, of course, they will behave more. Right. <laughs> I mean, never 60, I would say. Does that limit automatically or is it more like a, an alert to them? I presume that it is a reminder. Oh. There's a sound. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. But, but that helps. Yeah. But I remember this in Dubai, uh, even I think 20 years ago, if you went over the speed limit on the highway, there'd be a bing, bing, bing in your car, in your private car. <laughs> so this was technology a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. And obviously... People didn't complain because they wanted to have a car, and I've driven with people who just ignored the bing, bing, bing. But it was there. You know, is it? Where's the resistance to that sort of technology coming from in Hong Kong? I'm not sure yet. For cars, I would say that we need to have someone pushing these ideas. We need to have government department looking at this seriously, and legislators who understand the issues. This should be the way to go. I mean, we cannot just let drivers just to go as fast as they like. I mean, that doesn't make sense. Yeah, yeah. 
the road safety council doesn't really have much teeth looking at it is it something mm. what do you think about the road safety council well uh although i i do work in in the area of road safety I, i'm not familiar with how the road safety council uh, is run of course i do read the website it seems that for example uh, minutes of meetings they come up very late and then discussion i think really what we need is to have uh, expert panels in different areas i mean real uh, in and inviting leaders in the in the area and then to undertake more practical research from what i see is that they used to have regular meetings mm. and the members are either appointed by government or they are government engineers and some of them are appointed by government some are appointed by default from some of the organizations well road safety is a very specialist area mm. i mean some of those discussions or decisions cannot be just common sense mm. uh, ideas or common sense solution yeah uh, some of them maybe we need someone really to take decisions but some of the specialized area they need to have serious research to mm. support decision making yeah I think in Hong Kong in general we do not have such activities going on within government even in the university I would I would say that the level of research or the spectrum of research is very much limited mm. in road safety is a very broad area involving the role the human being the vehicles and as a system we do need to have a lot of work in this area I yeah. think otherwise uh, decision makings and discussions will still be a bit too superficial. Mm. Well I think some evidence of that is the fact that the police have a new campaign against pedestrians and we've seen this sort of jaywalking mm. um crackdown with tickets up, you know, there's 2800 tickets or so given in the first 3 months of this year. <laughs> yeah. Now, obviously jaywalking itself is a very sort of car-centric way to look at the system, but yeah. I mean, what do you think obviously pedestrians also have a role to play in in safety, but is it fair to blame them entirely? Yeah, I think any action or in enforcement uh, in education and publicity, we need really to be very sensitive. If we try to over-target a particular user group it is possible to have side effects and then i would try to say that i mean we we do need to educate pedestrians and especially for high risk situation but not to the extent that we do not care about the evidence i mean whether the work where the actions actually would result in meaningful reduction of casualties and also we need to be careful not to imply the blame on pedestrians for a number of reasons one reason is that not every pedestrian collision is due to the the scenario we we think that is what's actually uh, happening there are many factors i mean there are factors which are hidden another problem is that we try if we try to label pedestrian too much then it seems that we we would let easily legitimize drivers of their incorrect way of driving so we need to be far more balanced i think in this area there's not adequate education or publicity on the park of drivers if we have the low speed a lower speed limit 30 kilometers per hour 
together with some other publicities which also target at the responsibility of drivers, I think then that would be a far more balanced way mm. <laughs> of tackling the issue. Now, there is a, a pilot zone in Shamshui Po. Is that actually up and running, the, the 30k uh, pilot zone? Yes. It is, is working now? Uh, that is a 300 meters long street <laughs> wow. in Shamshui Po. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes. But of course, for me, uh, that street, there's no question. I mean, that it should fall into uh, the 30 kilometers per hour zone. Mm. But whether we should use 300 meters of street as a pilot scheme and then to study the effect mm. <laughs> well, of on road safety, then I am very much doubtful. We are pushing for far larger areas for 30 kilometers per hour. Yeah. either as a pilot song or as a permanent song, not just a single street. Yeah. I mean, it's a network of streets we are looking to. A network of streets comprising the uh, inner streets, the local distributed streets, and certain district distributed streets. District distributors would be the more important uh, roads, usually having, say, two lanes per direction. But when these streets have very uh, closely spaced junctions and there are a lot of pedestrians, they are still candidates for 30 kilometers per hour speed limit. Mm. How did that 300 meter stretch get chosen then? How, how come that trial is so limited? I remember that back in 2018 and 19, there have been a proposal to have a wide area within Shamshepo. Uh, as the pilot scheme for 30 kilometers per hour. Mm. Unfortunately, as I read from the newspaper, there had been strong resistance from from many people, from mm. the, even from the district council, yeah. and also from a certain organization, and also from drivers. And in the end, that became the 300-meter street. Mm. <laughs> that is what I learned. Yeah. But I think that is very unfortunate. And at that time, we all, we also advocate that the, the the scheme also applies to to central. Yeah. But then there have been all kinds of uh, voices uh, saying that the speed is already very very low, and then government shouldn't be in, uh, implementing this type of uh, measures, which does not help the problem of congestions. I think in Hong Kong, people, I think especially the more outspoken organization or people, they try to use every way to to object to good ideas from government, especially they would use congestions and, and other problems for the drivers. And But I would say that 30 kilometers per hour speed limit is not really something to do with congestions mm. but we have to explain this i mean it's not that simple so yeah. uh, mainly because uh, in the urban areas the speed is limited by junctions the capacity as well yeah <laughs> i mean we uh so but people's mindset is that the faster they drive then of course the the more the less congestions Will, uh, will happen yeah. and then uh, it's faster for them. They always think about themselves. So drivers think about themselves only. And so we do not have pedestrian organizations in Hong Kong. So it's, it's a, an <laughs> a unbalanced game. Yeah, yeah. 
I mean, just being on, on in cars or buses that, or minibuses that, that regularly exceed the speed limit, they do so between traffic lights. They don't get there any faster. They, they mm. rev up, they go 50, 60, 70, and then slam on the brakes. Yes. If they travel, obviously, at an average 30 kph, they would get there the same. I know this because I cycle. Yeah. And I cycle at around 25 kph. Mm. And I generally keep up with, they will overtake, and then I catch up, and then they overtake, you know. <laughs> it's a game. Yeah. So... Can drivers not see that, in fact, uh, you know, we're not trying to hurt them here. We're not trying to slow them down. Their same, their average speed probably wouldn't change. Yes. Is that true? Yes, yeah. true. But to convince the general public, we need uh, to have new approaches. I've always been thinking about this, mm. how to better explain to the public, not only to the public, even to the professionals, the benefits they will get from uh, having lower speed limit and that at least they will not be hurt. And actually, even for traffic lights, if you go up to 50 kilometers per hour and then coming to uh, the traffic light often is more difficult. I mean, you, it's difficult to decide whether to brake when you see the yellow or the amber light coming out mm. or you carry on <laughs> at, a high, at, a, at the same speed or even to go a bit higher. Usually they just carry on, of course. Uh, yeah, <laughs> many people just carry on, yeah. but this is very risky. Yeah. So at a lower speed, it's much easier. And also, as, as you said, effectively, they try to accelerate rapidly and then decelerate and then brake uh, abruptly. That is not good for the passengers, mm. not good for themselves and for buses. It's not good for the for the passengers. Yeah, I mean we have a lot of passengers losing balance casualties in Hong Kong sure. every year. Yeah, is there an economic, uh, for example, brake uh, wear or tire wear? Is there any economic advantage to a steady speed? I have not collected the research information, mm. but there have been proposals that having a more steady speed good for the uh, emission mm. and also for uh, having less noise. Mm. I'm not. I'm yet to collect to collect all the research findings. At the moment, I am not too sure, but at least I would say that there would be no harm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you said you were looking at new ideas. Have you had a sort of idea for a new approach for this yet, or are you still developing that? I mean, we. I'm advocating the idea mainly as an NGO, but also uh, within my profession. Mm. But uh, what I mean is that I have always been thinking of way of how to explain the idea in a way that people would be willing to listen and then to understand and in the end to support. Mm. In the past, we have been promoting the idea in a more technical way, pointing to the evidence. But it has not been working as we wish. In my work, I'm being, we were trying to mainstream the idea. Yeah. Even in my teaching, I'm now trying to redo all the PowerPoint slides I have been using and then to explain it in a clear way, mm. <laughs> in, more sim in a more simple way and a more convincing way. I mean, mainly through graphics and uh, simplify some of the concepts. Mm. So it's an ongoing process. Okay, Julian, we have sadly, we've run out of time, so we'll have to pick this up next time. It's been mm -hmm. a pleasure to talk to you. Yeah, very nice. I think it's a really, really timely okay, to good. talk about this topic. Thank you, James. Thanks very much, Julian.
Thanks so much, Julian. That's really interesting. And I hope we'll all stay safe out there on the roads. Look out for those speeding vehicles. Next time, we're off to the harbour front. The government's got some new ideas about cycling on the harbour front. Well, it's funding a new consultancy study anyway. And we'll be talking to the chairman of the Hong Kong Cycling Alliance, Martin Turner, on what that all means. Please bookmark and subscribe to Wham Bam Tram. Visit transitjam.com forward slash Wham Bam Tram for all the show information and archives or find us on Apple, Spotify, or all good podcast platforms. Thanks, and until next time, bye-bye.